Episode 014 of the Bit Beacon Broadcast. It's December 26, 2023. The usual suspects are here. That's right. Rick Ravenheart. And Taylor slash Kodaks. Whatever you like. Yeah, it's, so been, it's been a busy we week. We forgot to wish the listeners a Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, week. everyone. So, uh, sorry about that. Yeah. A belated Merry Christmas. Hope it was all lovely and pleasant and nice and I think warm. a day late's not that bad. No, you know, I did receive someone's Christmas card in the mail today. Oh, so, okay. And I accepted it, so I think the <laughs> listen, the listeners should accept our... I sent multiple texts today. Oh, okay. Merry Christmas. You forget, like, your mom or someone important. Yeah, friends and yeah. stuff. Um, but let's just jump right in. What have we been playing? Uh, aside from popping in Honkai Star Rail for a minute, not much. Just wrapping Christmas presents and dealing with family and yeah. all kinds of Christmas shenanigans. Yeah, what I about mean, you? dealing with family, but in like the best way, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Of like, course. You know what to, I mean? Yeah. You dealing with deal. like being there on time. You're and playing cards. Like You're that. the dealer. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Um, I I had a couple days off. I took a couple days off mm-hmm. um, last thursday and friday and my girlfriend's been really sick mm-hmm. um not COVID, thankfully that's good um but we were kind of separated i was in the room and she wanted to be on the couch so my playstation portal came very much yeah, so in handy i bet you're yeah, glad you I'm bought glad it i have it um but i was spending most of my time playing the uh pokemon scarlet and violet the Hidden Treasures of Area Zero Part 2, the Indigo Disc, yep. downloadable content, and I went hard on it. Um, I've been working, I mean, I think last week I said I had like played through the story of it, Yeah. but there's a bunch of cool, optional, extra stuff to do. Yep. And, um, As one, with every Pokemon Yeah. Game. One thing I, w- I want to tell you, you know, there's that, like... They've showed it in the trailers, and there's this, like, new little shiny turtle-looking Pokemon. Yeah, right. Okay, spoiler alert, at some point you capture it. Right. Um, (laughs) um, After you capture it and the credits have rolled, take that turtle. The game doesn't tell you to do this, but put that turtle in your party. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it's... Terragapos. Ter- yeah, it's, it's like, yeah, something like that. I do know about like this, the stellar Terra type. And yes, stuff like that. yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, but you want to put that that legendary Pokemon in your party, and you want to go back to the Kitakami area from the first DLC, yeah. and you want to go to the pool at the top of the mountain. Oh, I know a pool. It's got, like, purple flowers and stuff. Is that Um, the one you're talking about? There's, like, terra crystals, like, jutting out of it. It's at the very center of Kitakami. Maybe you haven't worked your way up the mountain all the way yet. Okay. Anyways, there's just a a pool with crystals. Yeah, because there's, like, this crazy scene. Okay. Yeah, crazy scene. And, um... It unlocks some cool stuff, like a new title screen and stuff really? like that. Really? Wow. Yeah. Um, new music for the title screen. Um, and then they just announced that on January 11th, there's going to be an, an epilogue added to the game, assuming you own um, the DLC. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, I guess everyone can download the update, but I don't think you'll be able to 
access the epilogue unless you have the DLC. Okay. Because it involves the original three kind of friendly characters from the base game mm-hmm. checking out the DLC stuff with you. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so do you need to have beaten both uh, DLCs? I believe so, yeah. Okay. I mean, you'll always have access to it as long as you download that update. Okay. And it's not like it's a temporary epilogue or okay. something like that. That's good. Yeah, that would be weird. I, that uh, kind of stuff has happened. Yeah, there have been some weird things like that. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, but there's been there's a couple things in the game that they added. Um, after you were at some point during the second DLC, you unlock these things called barbecue. They call them barbecues, BBQs. Okay. Uh, but it stands for, like, Blueberry something something. Blueberry's the name of the Academy in the second game. Right. Or in the second DLC. That is located off the coast of Unova, and you go as a transfer student It's mentioned there. in the first DLC. Yeah, it is. Yeah. The two characters you kind of interact with are right. from that Academy. Right. Um, anyways, that's how you earn BP. Okay. So BP is back in the game, which is like a point system. Usually it's been used... You've only been able to get it from, like, competitive kinds of oh, things. Oh, right. Um... Isn't that what you get from touching Terra Crystal? No, like that's LP, LP League or, Points. That's right. Yeah. So League Points kind of took over what BP was in previous games, but mm-hmm. they brought BP back, and it kind of has a bunch of different purposes. Wait a minute. This is what started in Emerald, right? Yes, yeah. with the Battle Tower. Yeah, okay, yeah. I remember. Um, so with this BP, you can invite like trainers from Palbea, like, like your teachers and uh, Elite Four members mm-hmm. and things like that to come, like, guest as teachers yeah. at the Blueberry Academy. Oh. And after you've invited them three times, they trade a Pokemon with you. Oh. And so this has added, like, 20-some-odd new in-game trades to the game. Okay. So, but in order to invite them, you have to have the BP. So mm-hmm. I've been, like, grinding BP to invite them all because I, I like collecting all of the various in-game trades offered in the games, which right. is nice because... Scarlet and Violet only had three in-game trades to begin with, and now there's, like, 24 more or something like that. Wasn't one of them version-exclusive? I'm pretty uh, sure. Not for Scarlet and Violet. There have been version-exclusive in-game trades. Started going back to, I think, Red and Blue. Yeah, Red and Green. Red, Blue, and Green, actually. Yeah. All have exclusive trades. You're right. Um, and I... Uh, so I've been doing that. And then after you get to a certain point that you've invited so many, you can invite a a special character. I won't spoil it because it's kind of a mystery in the game. But anyways, after you beat them in a battle, they trade you just like all the other ones do. Mm -hmm. You've done it three times. Um, And they give you a shiny Blitzel. Oh. Yeah. So another guaranteed shiny. Another guaranteed shiny. All right. Now, I consider that like as part of my in-game trade collection. Yeah, as you would. And not part of my like shiny collection so i still need to hunt a blitzel for myself i gotcha um but one last thing that i did um over the weekend was there was a uh a special boost to shiny flabebe Mm -hmm. yeah i I, uh, participated in that and so flabebe for those that don't know is this pokemon that has five different colors five different colors and two evolutions and two evolutions so that means you need 15 shiny Flabebe right, right. to have the whole set. Right. So I already had, I think, one of each, but like different colors. Mm-hmm. But I spent about, I spent probably about seven to eight hours across two days 
getting all the yeah. other flabebes I needed. And that's tricky because flabebe is not easy to spot with the shinies. No. They're super tiny. So what I had to do... So the this particular outbreak, it was boosted by 0.5%. Mm-hmm. So you could get the shiny chance rate up to... I think it was like 1 out of 144 or something like that, which is pretty low for a shiny. Yeah, right. So what I would do is, because you can't really tell Flabebe unless you like somehow get the camera just right. I use the camera app um, mm. that the character has to like, you know, like you're going to take a picture. So I was doing that and it was just so excruciatingly tedious yeah. that what I decided to do was I would go to the outbreak, I would save my game, I would make a shiny sandwich immediately... And I would just auto-battle my way through the, all the uh, Flabebes as they spawned. Mm-hmm. And then, for those of you that don't know, when your Pokemon in Scarlet and Violet is auto-battling Pokemon in the wild, if it comes across a shiny, it won't attack it. Yeah. It'll do this little, like, uh-uh. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to attack that. Right. So I just found my shinies that way. And I found that that was actually very quick. Really? I found one to two shinies almost every time I did that. I got you. Yeah. Um, I did a Floet. Uh, outbreak once okay. and the strategy i figured out was run around deep because of their wild behavior mm-hmm. they follow your character yeah and they, you can get them to all line up and then i just pull out the camera app look them all over like scan them that's what i was doing at first really yeah and i did find a couple shinies that way but i ultimately found it slower compared to just soft resetting yeah, just basically if I didn't find anything, I would just close the game, reopen it, and make the shiny sandwich all over again until I had all I needed for that color. Mm-hmm. Or if I only found one in the whole group, I was like, that's worth it. I'll just, you know, find another blue uh, pack of Flabebe spawns. Right. Um, so, unfortunately, the event is gone. Yeah. Over the weekend, there was like a Deli Bird event where Deli Bird uh, yeah, had shiny that. boost. And then that already came and went. Yeah. It was just for like, the weekend. And now there's a new one where there's like Duraludon and a couple other um, dragon Pokemon. Yep. But I, they are they are not shiny boosted. They have increased chance of having a mark. Okay. For those of you that want to Care collect about marks that. on yeah. your Pokemon. Which are essentially just ribbons. They're right. the same exact function. They basically replace yeah. ribbons. Well, they're still ribbons. They, yeah. They still add new ribbons. In fact, the Pokemon that are traded to you from the uh, the people you invite to the academy, they actually have a brand new ribbon on them. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. And that's that's been my Pokemon update yeah. for the week. All right. I did uh, turn it on. Um, I didn't mention it when I talked about what I was playing, but I did turn it on to try to do the Iron Bundle uh, oh, raid. how'd that go? Not good. It was rough. I had yeah. to... I put together uh, Hariyama. Well, here's the thing. Because I was doing the Flabebe outbreak, mm-hmm. I couldn't update my game. Because if I connected to get the Iron Bundle oh, raid, it'd be gone. It would it would make the Flabebe thing go away. So I only had like one day to do the Iron Bundle raid. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was kind of rough. You have to get like things just right for that raid. I made a Hariyama. Um, the new has like thick fat, so it would take less damage from like water and fire oh, and okay. stuff. Um, and anyways, it was like 
it was close, you yeah. know, with like a various particularly specially built. Uh, but that was me soloing it. I'm mm-hmm. sure if like multiple people brought a Hariyama, it wouldn't have been so bad. I tried to do it with other people, and yeah, oh no, that yeah. had to be rough. Yeah, just randoms. Yeah, yeah, it didn't work out. I just let it go. Um, I you know I don't know if they were just doing that because of Christmas. I think so. Okay, it or seems if, like a Christmas because usually they rerun all the Mightiest Mark. So it might come back this mm. coming weekend. If that's the case, oh, I can let you borrow my Hariyama. Well, have the Pikachu and Eevee ones come back ever? Because mm. those were like kind of special. Yeah, they were for the anniversary. Yeah, I don't think... I have both of those. Okay. If this is anything like that... Yeah, it might have been. I mean, maybe maybe winter 2024. Yeah. It'll come back. That'd be <laughs> or nice. Christmas. Um, but yeah, it made me wonder, like, oh my god, if they do all the Paradox Pokemon. Yeah, right. It, yeah, that was new in that they added a Paradox Pokemon. Yeah, as a which they've never mark. done as a Mightiest Mark right. before. So we'll see how that goes. Um, one thing, other thing I wanted to mention is, you know, Walking Wake and Iron Leaves? Yeah. Which were earlier this year available in raids. They're back, right? They're back right now yep. in raids, and you can only catch one per save file. They're not Mightiest Mark. They're only five star. Okay. They were not added into the DLC as, like, right. things you can find. So the only way to obtain them is, the is from these raid events. Yeah. They're kind of weird. Yeah. Like, I, I was, I thought for sure they would be added into, like, the DLC as, like, a static encounter. Right. Because they did add new uh, Johto Trio and... Uh, Gen 5 Trio. The Gen 5 Trio... Uh, Paradox. Paradox Pokemon yeah. into the game, and they are just static one-time encounters that you right. can get. Um, that is weird. This It's kind of like almost a nod to Crystal version in a way because Suicune was special. Mm-hmm. You know, it was specially encountered. And yeah. This is kind of like that a little bit. I mean, I Verizion. I'm reading so into it. But, a little bit, yeah. Know. I mean, Suicune is special, I yeah. would say, yeah. of the trio. Like, right. Suicune's the most special. Of course. Yeah. Um, anyways, we've, uh, gone off enough about this. Um, uh, what have we been up to? I mean, Christmas. 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 <laughs> we, we touched on it for a second earlier, but you want to, want to riff on your Christmas? Yeah, um, sure. I went to my girlfriend's family, then I went to my family, and then I went to work. Ah. Yeah. Uh, I, so, you know, I think I've mentioned it in a previous episode, but... I work night shifts, so I work from 10.30 to 6.30 a.m. Um, so that, yeah, that was rough. Yeah, I, I worked the previous night, went to stuff all day, right. and then went to work. Oh, was man. One of those I don't know three. how you're here today. Yeah. You literally spent Christmas in the trenches. Yep. Yeah. Literally, yeah. Home Alone style. <laughs> uh, you know, it's good company. Yeah. You and Kevin McAllister. Right. <laughs> hanging out. I mean, I was obsessed when I was a kid, oh, yeah. setting traps and ruining my grandparents. <laughs> Do you remember there they there was like spy gear for kids? Yeah. Like they oh, sold yeah. it as like toys. There was a whole fad. <laughs> I rem- I was in elementary school and I got into it. Yeah, me pretty, too. Dude. Pretty hard. <laughs> they had like sensors that you could like place. I have and so, like one of those. people would trip the sensor yeah, and like, like motion sensors. Yeah, and they're like a little beeping alarm thing. Yeah, I had a few of those. So it's like you want to know if someone's walking towards your room. You know, yeah. like maybe you're up late playing on your Game Boy. And, you know, you want to... If you you were good enough with, like, electronics, you could probably wire that to your bedroom. Oh, yeah. Have a little alarm. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. something. 
Yeah, I remember trying to use that stuff and thinking I, I would like sit and like hide and like. Oh, I thought it was like the yeah. most high tech thing ever. <laughs> it's only ten dollars. Yeah, right. I could have a lot of infrared. <laughs> yeah. And you imagine you set them up all through the house. They had like night vision goggles back yeah. in the day. Yeah. Oh my god, you're right. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what kind of night vision were they though. I think it was just shining, <laughs> shining a light through like a green filter. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, you're seeing in night right, vision. Right. <laughs> uh, only works in the light. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it was just a flashlight type of deal with yeah. like your green visor on. Right. Ooh. Oh yeah, it was almost like a green visor that had like little like LED lights exactly, attached to the yeah. side. Yeah. Whereas like it wasn't even like coming night, through the yeah. night vision. It's a flashlight that you wear on your head. Man, what was that brand? It was like Spy Gear or something like something that. Something like that. And that's also around the time Spy Kids came out. Mm, I think that played on the trend. You're you absolutely know. right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I know. I was there. Yeah. Like, I was into it. <laughs> you and your shiitake mushrooms? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Dude, I <laughs> actually hate those movies. You hate Spy Kids? Yeah, I just... I, so you watch them, like, I thought they were dumb. I thought they were dumb as hell when I was right. a kid. But you, you still wanted to see them? Uh, no, I never freaking watched them. You never no. watched them? No. No, I didn't. What, dude? Okay. Yeah. So you hate them? You, you, how do you hate something you don't even know? There's enough information in the trailer to tell me that I hate it. Like... They're surfing on lava and stuff, uh-huh. and they're kids, and it just, it's ridiculous. Yeah? No. I mean, it's supposed to be, like, imaginative. Yeah, but the spy spy is, like, a real thing. Right. This isn't fantasy. It's, it's not James Bond Jr. Yeah. I, you wanted that. I you wanted that, rather exactly. Have I'd rather Jr. have that. <laughs> Give me that. Could you imagine? Yeah, oh, it'd be great. PG, James Bond? Yeah. I mean, yeah. That would be like a kid's dream. Yeah. Um, I feel like we got stuff like that. Like baby geniuses. Yeah, see, that's the opposite direction <laughs> of what I'm talking about. That's like baby Bond. Right, you yeah. want baby Bond. No, I, no. You want 10-year-old that Bond. That one I saw and I actually thought it was... I, I was a kid, but I okay. barely remember it. But I, I remember it being okay. What about clock stoppers? I remember that. I forgot what that movie was called. Okay. Clock Stoppers. Yeah, I saw that. He had the watch on his hand that he could press a button. Yeah, the concept blew my mind. Oh yeah. Man. The the movie and the you know the characters and stuff. I there was some kind of dumb stuff. In okay, there. there there's this scene in the movie. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, in Clock Stoppers. Okay, so it's like this. Like I don't know. He's maybe he's in high school. Maybe he's 19. I can't remember the yeah, age of the guy. Something like that. And he's friends with this, like, old guy or something like that. Right. Or this older guy. I can't remember. It's almost like a Marty and Doc kind yeah. of thing. Uh, um, <clears throat> and then this, like, this girl, his crush or whatever, gets involved or something. Or, like, right. some friend. Or something like that. Yeah. Anyways, there's this weird scene in the movie um, where, like, she's walking around in, like, a towel in, like, some hotel room, like, where all the two guys are there, mm-hmm. and they're, like, holding the watch and stuff, and I don't know, I always just thought, like, what is going on? Like, Yeah, this is weird. Yeah, and then I'm like, are they pausing the watch and, like, doing weird stuff? Right. <laughs> you know, like, are... So, I think, okay, so the watch thing, right, you, it's a stopwatch, and you go... It doesn't the... pause time. 
No, like, it slows it way down to the yeah. point where it's almost stopped. Yeah. And uh, it's called Hyper Time. Hyper Time. Right. <laughs> and then there's one scene in the movie toward the end of the movie uh-huh. where he, they're in a chamber where they're in Hyper Time. Yes. And then he uses the watch to go into like double Hyper Time. Right. And his molecules are supposedly moving so fast that he can like move through a wall. Like right. he can put his hand through a wall. I don't even remember that. So he puts his hands through the wall, grabs a, one of the bad guys' like head, uh, and like slams him against the wall. Into the wall. Right. But how was he able to grab the guy's head if right. his hands are moving have went through, through the guy's head? Yeah, exactly. And like scrambled his and, brains. Yeah, and that like that did it for me. You were like, even I'm at, out. as a little kid, I'm like, nope, this does make sense. Um. <laughs> There's one other scene that sticks out in the movie. It's at the very end. It's really weird. So, like, some guy that they've been working with who was old, somehow he, or, like, older, he finds a way to, like, reverse his age, and now he's, like, a 12-year-old. Mm. So this guy was, like, 40. Yeah. Or, like, late 30s or something. Right. And then at the end of the movie, somehow using the... No, no. Hold on, hold on. Let me just. You can tell me how I'm wrong in a second. Okay. Somehow he he deages himself, and he's like a 12 year old now. And then he gets in a car with the protagonist's like sister, younger sister, who's like 12. Uh huh. And he's like, "Hey, babe." Really? Yeah. And I was like, "What the okay. heck is going on?" I here? was thinking of a different scene, but oh, okay. the old guy that you're talking about um, comes home to his wife at the end of the movie, now, th- and he's aged like thirty years because he spent so much time. Okay, in hyper time. yeah. There's like the the professor or whatever that he's like friends with, and then there's like this other character who's kind of like I think he's like comic relief, but he's mm-hmm. like helping them from the inside or something like that. Right. But anyways, he gets de-aged to like a a tween. And then the protagonist, the girl that I was talking about earlier, and then the the yeah. older guy and the kid sister, like get they that's, all get in a car together. Yeah, that's pretty. And they weird. like drive off into the sunset, and then like they're speeding down a street, and a cop car like turns on their lights, and then they hit the watch. Right, and then the the cop car's like, Ooh. yeah, slows way down. Yeah. I remember thinking that looked pretty cool. I was like, how is the car going fast, but the cop car is, like, in slow-mo? I don't remember this part at all. No? No. Or anyways, yeah. Weird. That was a weird time. for yeah. Nickelodeon and, was doing a lot of movies. Yeah. Harriet the Spy. Yeah, that's right. I remember uh, that. Snow Day. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, Snow Day. Snow Day? You don't remember Snow Day? It rings a bell. It had the kid from Drake and Josh, okay. the, the bigger one, who's now not big. Okay. Uh, you remember Drake and Josh? No. No. Yeah, that was See, I went, didn't grow up with Nickelodeon. That's when Nickelodeon went into its, like, Disney era, where they were doing all these weird, like, very fake live-action TV shows that I couldn't stand. Uh, anyways. We have a lot to talk about today. <laughs> or not. Uh, anyways, my Christmas, real quick, very yeah. similar to yours, except I didn't go to work. Right. Um, but yeah, I just hopped from kind of one Christmas thing to the next, but it was actually really nice. Yeah. Had a good time. Sometimes I dread Christmas, mm-hmm. like all the family obligations, and then yeah. it's just like overwhelming. It, it just gets stressful. All the people I gotta hug, and all like, the gifts you have to wrap. Yeah, and, yeah. And make sure you didn't forget anyone, and I don't know. There's it pretty gets, chill. It gets kind of stressful sometimes. But yeah, I, I had a good one, so I'm glad yeah. to hear you did too. Aside from the like no sleep, I mean, thing. yeah, I, I was, a, you know, walking asleep for all of it, so I, you know. 
But yeah, it was great. Like, I actually did enjoy Christmas. Alright, let's jump into our first and only real news story for the week. Yeah. Um, and it's a big one. Insomniac Games, um, the creators of games like Spyro, The Dragon, Ratchet and Clank, the recent Marvel Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, they suffered a massive ransom hack. Yeah. And so on December 12th, the, and I'm probably going to pronounce their name wrong, the Rysida? 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 The R-H-Y-S-I-D-A. Rysida Group. The Rysida Group announced that they had stolen a massive trove of private documents and data from Insomniac Games. They set a deadline of seven days and we're asking for two million U.S. dollars in Bitcoin, or two million dollars worth of Bitcoin, I guess right, I should yeah. say, um, to not release the data. Uh, Sony did not pay the ransom, and nobody else did. So all of those documents, the 1.3 million files, people mm-hmm. are still combing through yeah. these. There's a, yeah, it's um, going to take a long time to glean everything from what's been. Yeah, leaked. I mean, and some of it's not. Some of it's like probably like people's personal like information yeah like their, their hr files and yeah, stuff, yeah like stuff that is not good to right. be out there right. you know? i mean none of it's good to be out there no studio wants to have you know yeah it's bad for the studio it's bad for business it's bad for morale yeah yeah it's not good but um they released the 1.3 million files on december 19th so we're going to talk about uh some of them we're not going to talk about so much of the salacious stuff we're just going to kind of touch on um, some things that are relevant to people who play video games. Right. So the biggest thing would be their roadmap for the next 10 years. Which is insane. The next 10 uh, years like, of Insomniac so games. We, yeah, Insomniac has no surprises left. You know, <laughs> We know everything they're going to be doing for the next 10 years. Uh, yeah, until 2032. Yeah. So why don't you uh, read these off? So, and this is something I want to talk about after I read okay. it, but Marvel's Venom, uh, they have that scheduled for 2025. Marvel's Wolverine for 2026. Marvel's Spider-Man 3 for 2028. Ratchet and Clank, probably, you know, some, the next one. some installment yeah. uh, for 2029. Marvel's X-Men for 2030, and a new untitled intellectual property for 2031 to 2032. Now, you might notice a pattern. Okay, let's talk real quick. Out of those games that you just announced, yep. <laughs> the only one we know knew about previously was Marvel's Wolverine in 2026. Well, we yeah. didn't know it was coming in 2026, but we knew that they were working on a Wolverine game. Right. Um... The Venom game is probably a, sort of like a in-between game uh, between Spider-Man 2 and 3, mm-hmm. the same way that the Miles Morales game... Like a spin-off that's can- canonical or Yeah, something. like a, you know, sort of a sequel, but not really a numbered entry, right. you know? Yeah. Um, and then Spider-Man 3, I mean, that was probably a given to happen at some point. Yeah, of course. But X-Men? And then a new Ratchet and Clank is nice to see. Yeah. Oh, definitely. That's the one thing I'm actually excited about. Uh, I mean, the untitled IP. Yeah, I mean, if it's actually an original IP, yeah. that could be pretty. Yeah, that's exciting. That is, yeah. 
So, but this is like PlayStation Six territory we're talking uh, yeah, about over here. It is, yeah. Um, so, I mean, you'll notice that all of these, save for two, are Marvel Marvel games. And of the two that aren't, one is Ratchet and Clank, which is an existing franchise. So they're not looking to put out a new IP or even thinking about it if it's even going to be a new IP until 2031. And this is for me a symptom of a problem that a lot of studios are just a part of and that is no original ideas, no originality. We're seeing this with film in a much bigger way, I feel like. Okay. But with games, you know, all the new properties are coming from indies, you know, in a large way. Yeah, you're um, right. Now, we had some original games, I think, announced at the Game Awards. You know, some of those games were not existing IPs. But, you know, that's an exception to the rule. There are a lot of new, you know, announcements are just sequels and Marvel, video game adaptions to stuff that's not you know, a video game IP. Well, I think Insomniac has become a victim of its own success. Yeah. With the first Marvel Spider-Man game, which I love. It's a great game, but it's now got them on, like, a track of, yeah. like, now we just make Spider-Man adjacent right. stuff. Right, Um Marvel and stuff. So, uh, Marvel's Venom, which Venom appeared in Marvel Spider-Man 2, which came out earlier this year. And then, you know, a Wolverine game, which, I mean, I don't want to be too, I don't, I don't want to be, like, down on it completely. I get it. It sucks that they're just making Marvel games. Right. But, like, they're probably going to make a really good one. Yeah, oh, I'm, no doubt all of yeah. these are going to be good. You know they're going to be good because you know what their budgets are going to look like. Yeah. And. And the pedigree. I yeah. mean, Insomniac. But I'm not going to play them. Okay. Like, I'm just, I'm, it's Marvel. It doesn't well, See, me. I remember we were sitting down at one of those PlayStation theater shows during E3 in like 2016 right. or 17. Was or that something. when they announced the first Spider-Man? No, but they showed off like a really big chunk of like playable gameplay of it. Yeah, right. And you turned to me and you're like, that looks like a fun video game. Oh yeah, it does. Yeah. And I'm it is a fun video game. Like I don't need to play it to know it's fun. <laughs> it like everybody who has played it tells me it's fun. Yeah. And looking at that, it was like a 10 minute presentation. Yeah. Uh of you know, just Spider-Man swinging around. Yeah, beating a bad guy. Yeah. Um I could tell that it was fun. I'm not saying these are bad games. Right. That, you know, that's not at all what I'm saying. Uh, it just sucks that we don't have, like, an original idea coming out of Insomniac until potentially 2031. I have a hypothetical for you. Let's say in between there, there was a Spyro 4. That's better than just making Marvel. Okay, you gotcha. know That wouldn't, like... See, that would blow my mind. First of all, because Activision has the rights. So right. I don't know yeah. how that <laughs> right. So, so something happened. <laughs> yeah, something weird happened there. But, like, the thought of Insomnia and go, going back to their heritage and, like, yeah. all right, let's go back to where it started. That, yeah, that would be a good sign, too. 
Um, because, I mean, just Ratchet and Clank being in there is a good thing. Yeah. Um, because that's their roots, too. Yeah, at least there's one. I mean, God, during the PS3, there was a new Ratchet and Clank game, like, every year. Yeah, I remember. Like, every year yeah. there was a new Ratchet and Clank game. Not all of them were good, I heard. Uh, well, they, they kind of did different, like, genres. Like, right. there was a tower defense one. That There was, like, a, like a co-op not quite a party game but it was like ratchet and clank all for one or something like yeah that. right right so they they experimented with other things uh but you know that's when you could get away with cheaper games and smaller games right and now it seems like games have to be yeah they have know, to be massive open world um you know what's interesting about spider-man is they're recycle now they're they built new york mm-hmm. all they got to do is keep touching it up right you know so it's like that's got to cut down massively on... Well, that is the same for all sequels of all games that are take place in the same world, you know? Yeah, I mean, part of me is kind of like, can Spider-Man go somewhere else? Yeah, I get it. Like, he's on a trip to Tokyo or something? Like, that sounds exciting. Right. Like, that would get me like, oh yeah, here we go. But like, if it's just New York over and over and over again, mm-hmm. I, don't know, I don't know if I can be convinced to just keep going back there repeatedly yeah i when they recycle the entire map like that like this was of course you know where i'm gonna go with this the biggest complaint for tears of the kingdom exactly was that they recycled the map which i don't hold against the company so long as they do it well yeah you know and they introduce enough new stuff to it right and there was a lot new there and there was a lot new in spider-man too so but you you can't just keep turning that same thing out yeah, if the next Zelda is the same map again, right, right. it's like, okay, this time there's a dark world, right. you know, then yeah, uh, there's mean, a problem. That would be cool, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so a lot, if you're if you're into Insomniac's Mar- Marvel game so far, you're going to be feasting for the next decade. Yeah, oh this, yeah, you're this, set. That's all you're getting, is Marvel. Um, the idea, okay, I mean, I'm excited by an X-Men game. I am. I'm not going to lie. Like, that, I think, could be Again, really cool. every like, one of these I expect to be good. Like, depending on how like how many playable characters there are. Right. It's not just a single character. This could be, like, Oh, nuts. that would be crazy if it was, like, um, um, uh, what's it? The Warriors games? The uh, Warriors games. Um, I forgot the franchise, but Hyrule Warriors was, oh, like, based on Oh, it's kind of like that. Yeah. yeah. Where that like, would be nuts that would be cool um you know koei tecmo the people that make the warriors games yeah they actually made a marvel ultimate alliance game a few oh, years they ago did? so it wouldn't shock me if yeah. maybe they did something like that at some point that would be crazy um okay so some other some other interesting details is um it's for the wolverine game a whole playable like test build of the game Mm-hmm. is leaked and playable on PC. That's... Oh, boy. Yeah. Like... That's a big deal. An internal demo is completely playable. People can download it like an executable and just open her up. Um, so people have a taste of what, you know, they're going for with the combat. I mean, like, just years of, like, surprises, yeah, right. controlled, like... Yeah, hi- hyper-controlled multi-million dollar ad space yeah you know surprises yeah like, just ruined yeah um 
some other interesting details. Uh, there were pitch documents and concept art for a scrapped live service Spider-Man game, um, which kind of goes back to that story of how Sony is like wanting every one of their studios to have some kind of live service game. So mm-hmm. it looks like this is when Sony asked for pitches from everyone. Yeah. This must have been Insomniac's pitch. But I guess, and let's be thankful, they told Insomniac no on that one. Just focus on your single-player right. story game. Which you know? is, yeah, that's a positive. Um, I doubt that that was their only pitch. I'm sure they required... Maybe that's the one that like made it the furthest along. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, there was some, the, the concept art for the game looked interesting and like the kind of like pitch for it sounded interesting, but mm-hmm. I mean, ultimately all our live service games kind of go down like a rabbit hole. You, you don't normally want to go down, right? you know, especially when it's like, it's like a mandated, right? you it's know, a, I mean, it is mandated. Yeah. Sony says everybody do this. Exactly. That's mandated. Yeah. But, um, you know, as far as. The industry is concerned, especially like companies like Sony, who want to develop Eleven so they can have one hit live service game. Yeah, it's flooding the market, and it's not what it's not for gamers. Yeah, it's I mean, not like they're not doing this for gamers. Two or three years of a developer's like life. Yeah, and then like it doesn't resonate with people, so and then cut it. Yeah. And then, and then that studio, yeah. maybe they all lose their jobs. Pull the plug on the servers, yeah. close the studio. And that, that's just mean and evil. Yeah. And also, you're flooding gamers with all these live service games. Give that's, them something else. They don't want, yeah, for the most like, part. We have enough. We have plenty. Um, but they won't stop. They just... No. You know. And so many live service games don't know how to actually be a live service game. Right. Like, they launch with, like, a big amount of content up front, but then, like, players chew through it real quick, and then they're looking for, like, hey, what's the end game? And then there's never an end game. Yeah. Or the end game is, like, so horrifically bad and boring that, like, players immediately just fall off of it. Um, whereas you have games like Genshin Impact and Honkai Star Rail where, like, their pipeline is designed to keep giving gamers new content right. you know so it's like they actually have that figured out and like cause their game is designed from that from the ground up right there was never any mandate they were like we're gonna make it a never-ending game and one thing that's interesting you say that because that studio specializes in live service games and they like you said design their games their game design is from document state right about being a live service game and Sony is trying to take other games that their studios are working on, like Naughty Dog, yep. and have them turn existing projects into live service games. Yeah. Almost doomed to fail. Exactly. You know, It's like you have a studio who doesn't want to make a live service right. game. Is working on something that is not a live service game, yeah. and you want them to re-tinker it yeah. and into that, and that's not going to work. By the way, there was a little update on Naughty Dog, which we'll have to insert in here after we talked about Insomniac. I okay. don't, I don't have any information to provide, but I totally forgot about it, and I want to talk about it briefly with you. Okay. Um. So uh, another interesting detail for people is precise sales data and profit for every single Insomniac game were found in these documents. Like going back to like the PS1 sales data for, like, all the Spyro games. Crazy. Um, In that information, we found out that Sunset Overdrive, 
uh, back when Insomniac Studio Insomniac was an independent studio. They had worked with Microsoft on this game called Sunset Overdrive. Um, after break-even costs and everything, mm-hmm. Insomniac made five hundred and sixty-seven dollars in profit from the game. Right. Yeah, that's... Years and years and years yeah, of That's mind-bending work. to think about. They made less than $1,000. Yeah. That's nuts. And the game sold almost 2 million copies. 1.9 million copies. So, that basically means that it costed $1.9 million to make it. Effectively, yeah. Yeah. Or they, they had to sell 1.9 million copies to break even. Yeah. Effectively. Um, there's something in here that I don't have. Uh, I read another break-even statistic that they had. Um, I think Spider-Man 2, the most recent one that just came out earlier this year, mm-hmm. uh, had to sell something like seven... Or, I can't remember the exact number, but it was like, let's say it was seven point something million copies at full price in order to make back the production cost. And as of like a month or whatever the numbers were, a month or so after the game had come out, maybe two months, mm-hmm. it was only at like six point something. Oh, so geez. they still haven't recouped costs. Wow. Now maybe by Christmas time they've sold those extra millions of copies. I mean, you can just look at that game and see how expensive it was yeah. to make. You yeah. know. There was also some interesting documents where they were talking like there were like an internal discussion where they were like breaking down like um it makes more financial sense. Like, they can make three smaller games for way less money mm-hmm. than it costs to make one big game. Right. And it was interesting to see them, like, talking, like, maybe, yeah. why are we doing this? Why are we, well, right. we could be doing this. Right. We could be delivering more for less. Right. And that's three chances of having a big hit. Right. As opposed to one. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, I think they're kind of... Like, they did that because they learned that lesson when they put out the Miles Morales Spider-Man game Mm -hmm. because it was a smaller game. Um, And they saw that, like, it still had a huge amount of sales and they had to spend, you know, only a fraction of what they were spending on some of the other uh, Spider-Man games that they made and were working on. Right. So, I don't know. That, to me, is kind of a cool thing to hear because I would love more... Them to do that. I would love more games and smaller games. Right. I, I would... I'd rather jump into a 20-hour game than a 60-hour game. Yeah, oh, 100%. Yeah, three 20-hour games scattered out over three years as yeah. opposed to one 60-hour game scattered out over three or four years. Right. Give me the one. Right. Um, let's see. Their uh, sales data for other first-party PlayStation Studios was also unearthed in the documents, including for our very first time a look at what uh, Bloodborne from From Software and Japan Studios had oh, sold. Really? And I think it was about 7 million copies, which is very, very good um, for those kinds of game standards. Yeah. And people were, when people saw that number, people had always assumed that Bloodborne sold very poorly. Right. People were like, oh, like that's why they never made another one. Right. And seeing that it sold, you know, um, you know, 7 million copies, people are like, why did they never make another one? That's crazy. I think, isn't Bloodborne. Somehow related to Dark Souls, like it's, it's made by the same developer. Right. It uses a lot of the same kinds of system, but it is its own, like okay. separate. It's not connected to the universe, not directly. Okay. No, um, um, it was made in partnership with the studio that makes 
Dark Souls and Demon Souls and Elden Ring. I played the Bloodborne demo. At, at, yeah, you me know, too. And at it PSX. Was, I liked it. I was bad at it. I was really bad yeah. at it. I tried playing Bloodborne when it first came out, and that kind of told me Souls games weren't for me. Yeah. Um, there's a part of me that would like to go back and try again, because I remember the first time I played Metal Gear Solid, I was like, this game's not for me. It controls funny, and I don't mm-hmm. get it. Right. Like, I couldn't get past the first room in Metal yeah. Gear Solid for, like, two hours. Yeah. I was it's just like trying to avoid like two people. You know when Resident Evil 2 mm-hmm. came out on uh, Nintendo 64? Okay. I felt that way about it. Yeah. Because of just how it controls. Yeah. And I'm like, what is this? Yeah, why did I just waste $60 on yeah. it? Right. Um, and most, then I, most popular Resident Evil title ever. Yeah. And then I ended up coming back to like Metal Gear Solid like a year later or something like that. And mm-hmm. I got it to click. Yeah. And then it's like, I just ate that game up. Right. As far as the Dark Souls-esque type games, uh, I've been playing Neo. Not recently, but um, yeah, the first Neo game. It's, uh, I don't know, I, having tried Dark Souls a long time ago, I think this one appeals to me more. Yeah, the um, setting. Yeah, the setting. and It is medieval while also being... You fantasy. Know, yeah, fantasy and um, Eastern, you yeah. know, Asian, feudal japan or whatever and uh yeah it just i don't know neo try it (laughs) try that one um okay and then there was another story uh kind of within this story um a document was found Uh, sony appears to be pressuring insomniac to reduce their full-time staff by 50 to 75 people this is where we get a little salacious and kind of like this is kind of a and some of these documents were dated, like, November of this year. Right. Like, very recent yep. stuff. Quarter four. Um, so, these, uh, as someone who works at Naughty Dog, I don't work at Naughty Dog, but if I was someone who worked, sorry, not Naughty Dog, Insomniac, if I was someone who worked at Insomniac, and I'm hearing that, like, oh, hey, Sony's telling my, the president of Insomniac Games, Ted Price, that he's got to find 75 people to cut. Right. And not telling us. Yeah. Um, So they're considering a handful of layoffs, not backfilling certain positions, and placing employees in performance improvement plans. And so if you ever get placed on a performance improvement plan, usually not a good sign. Usually means that they want to get rid of you. Right. And they're only putting you on that performance plan so they can, like, really start checking you and, like, having an excuse to, like, be like, how are you doing? Oh, this is what's wrong. This is what's wrong. So they build that documentation yeah of, it's a termination plan yeah they just they can't fire you outright well they because it's in california insomnia right. there's all kinds of rules you can't just fire someone for no cause well you can fire someone they're at will yeah well i don't know you can't fire them for any reason there, there's a whole you can't bunch fire of them like, for no reason yeah there's, but then there's people you know there's a the worry that you know, someone might try to sue or something like right. that if they don't have a good... That's probably why. That's why they need a case. Yeah. That's why you're on a performance improvement plan. Right. Which is what they call it to make it sound nice. I mean, maybe 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 one out of ten people make it out of the performance improvement plan. Right. Um, and a, a more recent document from uh, Ted Price just dated a month ago shows that they were looking more closely at cutting underperformers on the Wolverine and Spider-Man teams and replacing them with veteran staff that are working on the next Ratchet and Clank and the unannounced new intellectual property. 
Mm-hmm. So that means those games we were talking about earlier yeah. will probably get pushed back in favor of pulling those people back to cover their bases on these these fresher teams. Right. Um, which means that that new IP might go back further. Ratchet and Clank might go back further. For all we know, those things might fall no, by the wayside yeah, completely. I, I, this is a 10-year plan. That's scary. Oh, so, yeah. I mean, anything can change Definitely. in 10 years. Um, the notes also suggest that Sony is asking for cuts at other PlayStation Studios as well. And the line, specifically, there will be one studio closure appears in these notes. So... Yeah. That could mean now Sony did close a studio earlier this year. Pixel 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 Opus, I think. They're the people who made Concrete Genie. Okay. Uh, they were. That was like the last main featured game at the final PlayStation uh, experience. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm vaguely remembering. It's actually that game. a great small little game. I really enjoyed yeah. it. Um. I was bummed about that, but some people are wondering, oh, maybe they're talking about what happened earlier in the year, but maybe Sony's looking at their whole portfolio and going, mm-hmm. all right, who's going? I mean, I don't understand. There's a lot of stuff I don't know, but I don't understand why they would opt to close a studio rather than putting it up for sale or something. Um, well, okay, so you got to think about it from this way. These studios are all owned by Sony, so Sony owns all of their IP. Right. So what are they selling? They're selling the people, right. I guess. The people who have failed to put out a game as a team or well, I mean, not, not produce results. That's that not, yeah, but that's for. not why they close them. They close them because their game didn't perform as great as their expectations. Right. So, but, so what is a buyer looking for? A bargain? I mean, what are they actually buying? Why not just let... Sony fire those people and then hire them without paying Sony a finder's fee. Yeah, yeah, I guess. I don't know. Um, unless there's like IP on the table that's coming with the sale. Yeah. Like valuable IP. I mean, I think that's why more often than not we see closures rather than sales. Yeah. Um, Insomniac took a while, but they eventually released a statement. And so, as we do, on the BitBeacon broadcast, Mm -hmm. we will read this statement. Would you like me to read it? Yeah, you go ahead. Okay. Insomniac, uh, on December 22nd, said, Thank you for the outpouring of compassion and support. We're both saddened and angered about the recent criminal cyber attack on our studio and the emotional toll it's taken on our team. We have focused inwardly for several days to support each other. We are aware that the stolen data includes personal information belonging to our employees, former employees, and independent contractors. It also includes early details about Marvel's Wolverine for PS5. We continue working quickly to determine what data was impacted. This experience has been extremely distressing for us. We want everyone to enjoy the games we develop as intended. However, Insomniac is resilient. Marvel's Wolverine continues as planned. The game is in production and will no doubt evolve throughout development, as do all of our plans. We will share official information about Marvel's Wolverine when the time is right. On behalf of everyone here, thank you for your ongoing support during this challenging time. This is why cybersecurity is so important, folks. You know, it's probably the, like, the lamest thing that made this leak happen. Someone probably clicked on a link, yeah. thought they were on Outlook, typed in their email address, and yeah. boom. That guy now has access to your PC, whatever. Yeah. 
It'd be funny if it was the president of the I, company. You're right. That's happened before, I'm pretty sure. But this kind of thing happens all the time, and it usually is something mundane like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's never... It, hacking is not... Um, it's more social engineering. Yeah, it is. Uh, in real life. Not in yeah. the movies. No, but not in, in the life. movies. Um, yeah, it's not like they sent some program <laughs> into the server and, you know, bypassed all the... Some little robotic spider right, crawled yeah. under the desk and plugged it itself into the USB drive. Or some virtual spider. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Crawling through the cyber web. Right. It, that's not what happened. They sent a phishing email and exactly. someone clicked on it. Yeah. Um, you know, I hope it's someone high up and not someone low on right. the totem pole. Oh, because if you're low on the totem pole, you're done. Yeah, you're done. Oh. Yeah. I mean... I think even high on the to- totem pole, this could get you canned. Yeah, I mean, it's a... Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe... Yeah, you'd have to be... Yeah, I don't know. I guess there pro- there's probably going to be some IT oh, I'm sure they're, they're already investigating. Yeah. They've yeah. probably been investigating for... Because, I mean, they're not just making PlayStation games. They're making games with Disney. Yeah. So, Disney wants to see some accountability, yeah. too. Oh, they have yeah. partners. Yeah. Yeah, Disney is the most inflexible of them all. But you know, this like you were just saying, this happens so much all the time now. Mm-hmm. Like every week, you hear about some crazy new big cyber attack, right? And it's just kind of like, oh well, you know. I mean, um, it wasn't a cyber attack, but we had that Microsoft leak where they sent the documents oh, with yeah. all the attachments to the yeah. court. Um, yeah, stuff like that happens a lot. So it's almost like I guess this is just. Doing business in yeah, this the is, current day. It, it is definitely a factor of the games industry yeah. at this point. I mean, you hear about stuff like... Like, uh, let's say some first responder didn't respond. And so the parents of the family sue some... Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, some whatever medical center or the the county or the city for like millions of dollars, and mm-hmm. then like that guy still has a job though, like like often you see stuff like that. Yeah, well, he still has a job until the company gets sued and they're like, okay, what happened? But usually, then... it's like the county or something. I mean, it's like they know that this guy. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Like, I'm just saying. Like, I don't, I don't know. If imagine that you cost the company somewhere. like a million dollars, and they're like, "Right, try better next time, Sonny." I don't think that's reality. No? You don't no. think that happens? No, I think they're that person stays with the company until they go through the lawsuit and stuff. Okay, and then they find out what happened, you know, for themselves, and then find out it was this person. Yeah, and then that person's gone. Okay. I don't think they just get to keep their job indefinitely. It might take some time. To get rid of them? Yeah, but... Because they want to get their facts right. Right, yeah. Yeah, I I just... I wouldn't want to be that person. No. No. No, you don't. And all you did was click on an email. Yeah. That looked like a normal email. It was... Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then your life is over. A very innocent, very innocent act. Um, But, uh, okay, real quick before we jump into... um, this next topic um i want to talk about naughty dog they publicly announced that uh they were canceling their live service game um this is this will be real quick yeah um 
they the they were working on a uh, live service Last of Us like multiplayer game, right? And this, we had heard earlier this, this is year, what we heard about, right? Yes, that it was on ice right. indefinitely, right? Something to that effect. Um, so Naughty Dog finally came out and said something. I think maybe two weeks ago that the game was canceled. It would not be coming out. They said that their studio is basically just not built to support a live service game, and that it would have demanded all of the studio's attention to support it. Right. As a, and like single player games would have to get canceled mm-hmm. effectively to support this live service game. See, th- this is interesting because now we know that there's pushback from all these Sony studios that are being yeah. told they have to do live service games. Yeah. There's no way the top dogs, you know, well, do you remember the original story is that Bungie told naughty dog, right. your game sucks. Right. No, well, Sony had Bungie come in and right. like do a review of. Naughty well, we Dog. know that that happened, but right. the r- rumor is is that the review was not good. Right, and so is this Naughty Dog using this as cover, or do we it, believe? Do we believe Naughty Dog, or do we believe the rumor? Well, I, it doesn't matter who you believe. It's clear that Naughty Dog didn't want to work on this project. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because Last of Us had a multiplayer game. Even the Uncharted games originally had, like, multiplayer modes. Yeah. Um, like, popular ones. And they were small and simple. You know, they didn't demand a live service kind of attention. Right. Um, and that's all people wanted from The Last of Us 2. That's was, just online features. That's not... Yeah. I mean, like, it was like a separate game mode. You know, it was like, oh, right. single player, multiplayer. And then, like, single player's a story, multiplayer's like a versus, right. you know, deathmatch style thing. Right. And so the original Last of Us had this factions gameplay mode that people really liked. And all they had to do was make factions in The Last of Us Part 2, add some new bells and whistles, make it look extra pretty like The Last of Us 2 does. Mm-hmm. And people would have been happy. Yeah. Instead, they... Sony told them, hey, make it live service. Make it a yeah, standalone game. For all game. we know, that's how this started. They were going to yeah. do something like that for Last of Us 2, and then Sony's like, no. You know, we we need that for our live service. Yeah. 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 It needs to be able to sell it standalone. Right. Yeah, exactly. And Not just included for free. It's obvious that not... Well, like, Insomniac was supposed to work on a live service project, right? Yeah. And they're being told now, just focus on your single player. It's what you're good at. Uh, Same with Naughty Dog. They were told that they were going to work on a live service project. You know. It seems like they got far. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure they put in a lot of effort. Yeah, further than just like a pitch document. Right. Like they had playable. Well, obviously, because Bungie reviewed it. Well, I guess you could review like a game design document. But I'm sure they had a vertical slice of some sort to show Bungie. But um, Insomniac and Naughty Dog, you can't tell me that both these studios, their heads, did not push back on Sony yeah. hard when they were told, being told that they need to do this. You know, um, I so, mean, they say don't bite the hand that feeds. Right. You can't bite the hand that feeds, but negotiation is also part yeah. of the partnership, business partnership. Yeah. And um, so what this tells me is that there's this internal struggle going on in the industry mm-hmm. where the big, big, big guys want streaming, they want live service, they want all of these big, you know, bigger money-making, I don't want to call them schemes, but you know what I mean. And the publishers, who are in the middle between the gamers, you know, they're 
they're pushing back like we, you know, they are, there is a struggle going on. Yeah. Ultimately, they're being told what to do because they're owned, you know, but they're like, there is drama behind the scenes. Guaranteed. I, I wonder if are, are Insomniac and Naughty Dog big enough that like they can, they can tell Papa Sony, sorry, we're not doing this. If they want to stay under Sony, no, they have to capitulate. Yeah. You know, I mean, but, clearly they've both managed, I mean, like. Insomniac, either they were told, no, we don't like your game pitch, don't do it. I think that both studios are big enough to survive on their own if they could buy their independence like Bungie did a couple times, or at least once. Once. Um, you know, they could. I could see Naughty Dog doing what Bungie did. Mm. Um, I could see Insomniac doing what Bungie did. And they would, they're big enough to survive on their own, and they have the intellectual properties to do that. But if they're I trying mean, to stay you under, think Sony's going to let them walk away with their IPs. No, no well, way. no. I mean, if I mean Ratchet and Clank and Spyro. Well, Spyro's owned by Activision yeah. now, but which is now owned by Microsoft. Right, right. <laughs> so weird. Um, but Ratchet and Clank, you know, that's Insomniacs. Like, you can't tell me if they walk away, they're not negotiating. I mean, for I'm Ratchet sure they try. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know I, that Sony would be like, sure, we'll let you have Ratchet. Right. Well, it's a buyback, you know, mm-hmm. so for the right price. But I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what kind of... How, how do you... Yeah, I don't know how you even do that. Like, because your money is not your money. Your money is Sony's money. So how do you buy... Well... How do you use Sony's money to buy yourself away from Sony? The person who is trying to buy the company, which would usually be like the founder or the... Uh-huh. CEO of the child company okay. um, comes up with his own, uh, you know, fund to do, to do it. Um, not necessarily personal money, right? But investors, he could go seek investors. Yeah. yeah. I'm not a business like you know. You're talking to the wrong guy about know, that yeah. stuff. But um, my 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 only point here is that we see, you know, like proof basically in my mind that there is drama going on between publishers and oh, console yeah. holders big yeah. time. Um, because they're not, the publishers aren't liking this live service direction direction. Yeah. Um, I mean, there how many of their friends and compatriots in the industry have they seen like fall? Yeah. You know, trying to make one of these things. It's a death wish yeah. for a studio to start one of these big projects. Cause it's going to mean layoffs. It's going to mean closures. Or you know, that 1% chance that yeah, just means that, like untold riches. That 1% chance that your parent company is going to get massively, massively rich. Right. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a quick break. And we're back from our break. And we've got one more discussion topic we have for this episode. We're trying to make this a little brief because we're going to do a second episode right after we record this episode. Yeah. Because someone's going out of town yeah, again. I'll be out of town for New Year's, so that episode has to be uh, pre-recorded. Yeah. But um, we want to talk about uh, just how 2023 has been a great year to be a gamer because lots of games. Lots of great games cool. released this year. Yeah. Um, but to be making games, not so great. And um, we're going to start uh, with... Uh, well, let's mention, we've been talking about... We've been doing this podcast for three four months something like that september i think was our first episode yeah i think so so it's week 14 14 or 15 
Because yeah. didn't we do our first episode two weeks? Something between? like that. Yeah. Um, so at least, yeah, like four months we've been doing this now. Yeah. Um, and uh, we've been talking a lot about layoffs all year long. Yeah, it's been, yeah, just, it's like the layoff podcast. Yeah. <laughs> we should retile it, the layoff. <laughs> right. It'll be some cool romantic comedy. The layoff beacon. The layoff beacon. Well, speaking of the layoff beacon, um, jumping ahead a little bit in this story or this this discussion, but there's this website called VideoGameLayoffs.com, and they've been spending all year tracking all of the layoffs across the industry. It's particularly... It's dedicated to just that. Yeah, video game and like video game adjacent kind of things like Twitch are included too. Tech tech companies. Yeah, I mean tech that specifically have like an emphasis on video games. Gotcha. Um, And they have tracked more than 9,000 jobs being lost this year. Mm -hmm. Now 9,000, maybe that doesn't sound like a lot, but it is. Last year... Only 1,000 jobs were lost right. in, in 2022. 2022 yeah. Um, but so, yeah, I mean, this year we had Zelda, we had Alan Wake 2, we had Starfield, we had Mario Wonder, we had Baldur's Gate 3, and we had Spider-Man 2. Uh, we had so many huge, high-quality releases. It was a very competitive year uh, at the Game Awards. Um, we had Street Fighter 6. Uh, we had... Mortal Kombat 1. Yep. Uh, I mean, just like mega game after mega game. Yeah, big, um, big titles. But, you know, behind all these mega games, there's a hidden human cost. Yeah. It, I mean, yeah, when you're laying people off, there's always a human cost. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, gamers have been just been touting that this is the greatest year for games ever been, you know, yeah. ever been recorded. Right. Um, and, you know, when you look at, like, at the Metacritic scores, you know, maybe there's an argument to be made there. Like, well, this might be one of the most high-quality years we've ever seen on record. Right. Um, but when you pull back the curtain and start looking at the numbers, uh, it's never been such a scary time to be working in games. Right. Um, I mean, yeah, I would say that's true. Um there, I mean, there were times in the 80s when... <laughs> I mean, yeah, the video game industry was, like, right. gone for a minute. Right. Um, and then also, again, when I graduated college in 2011, which I'll talk about more, um, but, yeah, there have been times when the industry's been up and when it's been down, but I think this is probably the scariest it's ever been. Yeah. And, you know, like, is this just a a one-off year? Is this, like, a sign of things? Are they going to get worse? I don't think games are ever going to go away. It's never, you know, it's not like that. Um, But it's, I think this is a big shift. It's indicative of a big shift. Mm -hmm. I, what I'm thinking, and this is kind of just theory, but we have this massive push, like I mentioned before, uh, toward streaming, toward live service, all the things that these giant conglomerates want to do because it's super profitable, and you're getting pushback from publishers mm-hmm. and the developers yeah. and developers, yeah. publishers and developers, uh, and I think that's creating like the games don't come out the way that they need to to make those big bucks and people you know close the studio lay people off unity you know what they're pulling 
Um, I think that's also kind of a push in the same kind of money-making direction, uh, which is not in favor of developers. It is in favor of big studios, you know, with their um, their install fees yeah. favoring, like, the big studios. Um, I think there's a shift. There's kind of like a... I don't want to call it a revolution, but, like, there's enough of a natural pushback happening that it's it's causing a shift it's either something's going to succeed or something else is going to succeed at, at this point we're at a crossroads yeah. in a way and now we have all these people now looking for jobs mm-hmm. we have people coming out of college in these design programs right now they're all looking for a job at the same time. Okay, so in 2011 is when I graduated college with my game design degree. Right. And I was dumped into a job market that was in a recession. And it was completely dominated with veteran game designers and developers. So much so that the companies looking for positions, or looking to fill positions, were changing... Like, it forever changed the job requirements for jobs. Right. Must have 10 years experience. Yeah, must have 10 years experience. Must have shipped four titles. You know? No college graduate has 10 years experience and shipped four titles. Yeah, I almost wonder, like, what college graduates were getting jobs? Where were they getting jobs? Uh, Was it, like, through internships or something? Okay, with that kind of thing, it's who you know. Mm. I found out. Because I've reflected, like, life reflected on this kind of thing. Because it affected me big time. My life would be very different if the market or the video games industry was on in an up position when I right. got dumped into you it. You could have got hired at a studio. Yeah, I could ship three games. I could right be now. an art director at this point. Right. You know? Um But yeah, I'm not because I got dumped into the job market that I did. And after two and a half years of trying very hard to get a job, I said, you know what, I have all the skills to make a game myself. Don't really have the manpower, but I have all the skills. Mm -hmm. So if it's just going to be me spinning my wheels, why not start making my own projects? Right. And I still don't have one out, but, you know, that's how that direction took took hold. Right. Um, And I think what this is going to result in is the indie scene going boom. Again. Yeah, hard. Well, but let's talk about the indie scene. The indie scene is not the same anymore. No. The indie scene is now filled with industry veterans. Yeah. And they're only indie in that they are... They don't have a a parent ...a self-funded, like, game. Right. You know, but, But like, they're made... They have AAA talent. They have AAA leadership. They have AAA resources. Yeah. um, They have AAA budget. Yeah, like, and there's now indie publishing houses yeah which is not indie yeah it's like the <laughs> the opposite the of the the game at game cocoon that yeah, won at the yeah, game awards right their publishers accepted the awards for them that's right so if that's t- not the tell most me that's indie. yeah thing, how is that indie i mean i'm i'm not and i'm not like saying i'm sure cocoon is wonderful yeah and oh, i'm sure it oh. was made by a really small team mm-hmm. but when you have a financial backing and security. When you have a publisher, you're not indie. Like, you're not. You're not truly indie, in my estimate. And I get it, like, these are, like, studios. These are publishers that help 
small independent studios initially or people that got to a certain point in their indie games development mm-hmm. they're like okay i'm at the point where i i need help now i can't take the game any further and so i see that these publishers like annapurna interactive are a wonderful thing and they help people get their games over the finish line mm-hmm. and i'm sure the agreements are different i doubt that like annapurna owns their ip or anything mm-hmm. like that I think they keep a very hands-off kind of approach to like that kind of a thing. But right. I mean, they still are giving these developers the kind of support that true indie devs don't have. Like right. the guy who made Stardew Valley, he didn't right. have some guy financing or some company financing their game for them. So you're 100% right. Um, and in my mind, you know, indie means... Well, there's an image that goes with it, but, mm-hmm. it, you know, definitively it means you don't have a parent company, you don't have a contract with a publisher, you don't have anything. Right. It's just you. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, to have a publisher of any sort makes you definitively not independent. I mean, I I think there are some shades there. Sure. Like, like they're like for the example of like limited run games. All they're doing is publishing your game physically. Yeah, it's still your game. That's not really. Uh, they're a publisher in that they put out titles, but they're not funding your game. Or yeah, anything yeah. Like that. There's no. They're not supporting you. Yeah. Um, but uh, so the indie scene is filled with these industry veterans who have left their studios and started their own companies, as well as the. Indie de- indie developers and game designers who got in really early into the indie scene and are now personally millionaires yeah. and have that budget. Yep. You know, so, yeah, good luck being a, a new solo dev at this point. There's still a lot of room for you. Yeah, um, it's not impossible, yeah. but it's gotten It's gotten tighter. Yeah. yeah, and people are like... The image that an indie game has now is like a five-hour AAA game. Right. It looks like a AAA game, but it's only five hours long. Uh, It's like indie became a buzzword, and companies learned how to use it. Yeah. That's almost how it feels. So it's like if your game actually looks like an indie game, like a real indie game, Mm -hmm. not a today's indie game, Right. Like people are going to look at it and go like, well, why would I play that? Well, I don't think that people are that turned off by that stuff yet because that stuff was very popular in like 2016 and stuff Mm -hmm. and those people are still around and that there's still an appetite i think there is i just i just worry that like it's being diluted oh yeah it is a hundred percent being diluted hundred percent because people's expectations of what an indie game should look like are being like are being changed yeah yeah i agree and Uh remember when indie games were like 10 to 15 dollars yeah and now that now i'm being asked to pay 50 dollars for an indie game it's it's nuts and but the game that's 50 dollars is not indie yeah it's not it's it's what we're talking about yeah um but yeah to to play an actual pixel art little infinite runner or something that someone put together and stuff and i mean i don't think your your game has to be like twitch io stuff to right. be indie either itch itch, itch sorry what did i say itch io is a 
digital game distribution platform for PC for PC and some other software too. Yeah. I buy Game Boy games on itch. Oh, oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, um, and or like homebrew Game Boy games, right. I should say. But it's it's very homebrew friendly. It's very small yeah. developer friendly. And most games are like a dollar to. $5. You would look out of place putting your thirty dollar AAA experience yeah. on there. You're like, who? Who's yeah. this? Right. They wouldn't welcome it. Really, I mean, they would probably let you list it. But yeah. Um, I wouldn't know what to do with it. It would just look out of place on the store. Yeah. Um, but, you know, a lot of games are two-minute experiences and stuff. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you don't have to be that to be indie. You can be on console, but your game still has a certain specialness to it, you know, that can't be replicated when there's lots and lots of people involved. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, the indie scene is, is turning into this... And what is going to happen is the same kind of thing that happened in 2011 with my case is that the job market is going to be flooded with industry veterans with their 10, 20 years experience and their 10 games shipped and newcomers are going to have no chance. There's going to be no room for them. Yep. So they're going to be pushed into the indie scene veteran developers who can't get a job or whatever you know their resume is just not as great as the average or whatever are going to be pushed into the indie scene and Mm, so you're maybe sensing sort of a a cycle sort of renewing itself yeah exactly that's what's happening almost a good way we're in we're in an autumn season of a certain arc of the video game history okay and and winter's coming and then spring will come okay and that's how it works. That's how everything works. That's how civilization works. Okay. You know. All right. Well, I'm I'm looking forward to this indie rebirth. Yeah. I mean, it can only, like, in the kind of market that we have, it, like, what the consumer wants will, is going to be what succeeds right. and survives. You know, companies can try as hard as they want to push streaming on people. Right. But if people don't want streaming, it's not going to happen. You know, it's good. They're going to they're going to waste a lot of money and a lot of jobs are going to be lost and a lot of layoffs are going to happen. But that shift will happen. Right. It'll be brutal, but it will happen. Um, That's my take on like, you know, how that works. So pretty much right now, it's scary time. Yeah. To be someone who already works in the game industry, it's a scary time to be someone who will soon be entering the game industry. Even scarier for that person. Yeah, I'd say. even scarier. But um, I mean, if you really want to make it happen, you know, you should do it. But if you're like on the fence about this, you don't have your whole heart in it, you know, maybe maybe look elsewhere. It's not for the faint of heart. I worry about the the art form. Um, taking mm-hmm. on sort of what happened with musicians and actors and stuff like that, where it's just impossible. It's a dream. Right. You know, like too much of a dream yeah. to even be a realistic, you right. know, goal. It's like we're going to have like, it's just going to be nepotism, getting yeah. like people and their friends and family. It's and 100% yeah. who you know. Yeah. Um, and even in 2011, like the people that were newcomers, um, out of college, that's how they got their jobs. You asked me that question. That's yeah. how it's who you know. Yeah. Um, and if you didn't know someone, you're up against veterans. Yeah. Well, on that cheery note. Yeah. Doom and gloom. <laughs> since this is our last episode of 2023, 
Um, I thought it would be fun for us to just kind of real quickly look back on some of the cool things we did this year, um, you know, game related, Mm -hmm. Beacon related, um, and just, uh, you know, uh, just go down memory lane for a minute. So I'll start real quick. I just want to say that like reviving the bit beacon, rising, yeah. raising it from the earth has been like a major highlight. I've really loved doing this week after week. It hasn't got old for me yet. That's, so that's good. I think twenty uh, twenty four is going to have a lot more regarding the bit beacon. I think twenty twenty five. Why do you think that? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I I see myself writing next year and stuff like okay. actually starting to blog again and you got access, dude. Yeah, um, I'm really excited that like game events are back. Sansy yeah. three, yeah. But you know, like everything else is kind of in the full swing of things. I mean, we saw it with the Final Fantasy event earlier this year. Yeah, that was really cool to go to something big and bold like that. Um, some of the little smaller stuff at like Gallery Nucleus. Um, some things are dead. Some things are gone. Like you yeah. mentioned, E three. I am eight bit is not a store anymore. They're not a store anymore, but they still have a presence. Like they help run that Day of the Devs thing I went to. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that. There's the Game Awards, which you know we know is a mixed bag. Um, and uh, like Pax, Pax is there. Nintendo Live. Nintendo had their first like u.s soil mm-hmm. a nintendo live event gallery um, nucleus and everything they do mention them yeah. um and uh you know for like gaming wise i think tears of the kingdom was like a really big highlight for me and i uh i just love getting lost there uh in that version of hyrule and uh well played a lot of pokemon just, yeah yeah, just oh, yeah. Playing pokemon. Pokemon, yeah that, yes. that got a lot of my time this year too the biggest thing even though it came out last year. Um, yeah, for me, reviving the Bit Beacon is a you know obviously a big deal. I think of it more as like a next year project, just because we started it toward the end of this year. Yeah, in like busy season. Yeah, and I think next year is when we're really gonna like blossom. Yeah, um, I'd like to see us going to more stuff, doing the event blogs again, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like galleries, photo galleries, and event coverage yeah. and stuff like that. Uh, what, we're, what we were known for back in the Originally. day. Originally. Um, and events, like you mentioned. For me, my biggest highlight event-wise, hands down, Final Fantasy sixteen event with the... Square Enix CEO coming up on stage yeah. and giving a speech in front, like in front of our eyes. Yeah. It was, I don't know. I have like a very big. <laughs> yeah, it was. Spot. It was uh, more. It was very intimate. It yeah. really was. We got like very close to a lot of like cool stuff happening. Yeah, um, they went really big on it. Um, I wonder. A lot of influencers. Like, yeah. they were very really pushed the influencers. Yeah. But I mean, they got in early and yeah. stuff. And that's. I mean, I don't. That's how you do marketing. Now. I don't love it, but I don't hate it. Yeah. You know, it's... one day you might need influencers. Yeah. So I get it. Yeah. I I understand it. Um, but yeah, that event was just the one for me. Yeah. That I felt like, out. it was like, Oh my God, things are back. Yeah. Like this is cool. That like, Square Enix like, went hard. Like a festival, like a yeah. final fantasy festival. Yeah. <laughs> That's um, a good way of putting it. And, um, yeah. Gaming wise, Pokemon. Yeah. Yeah. Scarlet and Violet. 
the DLC earlier this year, like the first half of this year, before we even started recording the Bit Beacon, you were like, you were going harder on that game than I was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was doing all of the outbreaks every day. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> getting every shiny, every <laughs> outbreak every yeah. day. So, um, yeah, I, I probably have upward of four hundred hours wow. at least. Yeah. Um. So uh, I guess, you know, we want to just thank the listeners for joining us on this new venture. Yeah, thank you guys. I mean, for those of the few listeners we have, we don't know how many exactly. You know, if we never look, we never know. Yeah. So for all we know, we have like a thousand people listening right now. That could be the case. We probably should look. That'd be good information to know. Yeah. But um, those of you that do listen, thank you so much. I mean... We don't have a reason to do this if no one's listening. So well, I do. Yeah, uh, for posterity and stuff. I I don't know. If, I just enjoy doing it. Yeah, yeah, I do too. I do no. it for me and you. Yeah, there there's that. I mean, sure, but come on, you I gotta mean, have like goals. It's 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 nice to be heard. Yeah. Um, for me though, like I don't know. I, I think the listeners are the most important part. Yeah. I know for you, like, there's a posterity factor and stuff, and I get that. Yeah. That's fine. Um, shoot this, buy a SpaceX capsule, and shoot it into deep space. Yeah, exactly. Every episode loaded onto an individual USB drive. Shoot it into deep space from the bit beacon. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. Through signals. All right, so, yeah, we just want to wish you all a happy new year. Happy New Year, guys. Happy New Year, and uh, we'll see you in 2024. End transmission.